Welcome to church. This week, Pastor Bev is continuing our series, Disciples Who Make Disciples, with his sermon titled, Trust, where he'll be sharing on how to find peace and rest in God in the middle of stressful situations. And if you're new here, we'd love to get you connected with our community. You can message us on Facebook, Instagram, or by simply texting hello to 587-323-1199, and we'll respond right back. I'm so glad you could join us today. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. And surely I am with you always. And surely I am with you always. To the very end of the age. To the very end of the age. Good morning. It's a privilege to be with you today. I'm Pastor Bev Sessink, Associate Pastor here at Calvary. We want to welcome each and every one of you, especially any first-time guests. Yes, we welcome those of you here in person and those of you online as well. As we begin this morning, I would encourage you to choose something from today's message and apply it to your life. If you do so, then I believe your time will be well spent. I also want to acknowledge Pastor Rick Warren, whose message, blessed, stressed to bless, I've based my message on adapting it for us specifically here at Calvary. We're going to be talking today about stress and how we can address it as disciples of followers of Jesus, trusting him in the journey that we're on. But before we do that, let's watch this humorous video about stress. Well, have any of you been there before? <laughs> Probably too many of us. Stress at its core is simply a threat, real or perceived. Whenever you feel threatened by something, whether it be emotional, physical, spiritual, 
mental or however, the result is that a stress response occurs in our body. Your blood pressure goes up, your pulse quickens, adrenaline is released into your body, and all kinds of other physical effects occur as well. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that is pretty important. Imagine yourself on a roadway and you see a truck, a dump truck, coming towards you. Your stress response immediately tells you, get out of the way. So in that case, it's actually good. The problem is with chronic stress. That's when your body doesn't shut it down. Many of us, I suspect, are living presently with ongoing stress due to the situation of COVID-19. And so we're going to address stress in our lives today and how we can trust God in the midst of that. Literally hundreds of scientific and medical studies have shown that chronic stress in your life is dangerous, devastating to your health, and it can even kill you. This morning, I want to address habits for health, specifically looking at the effects of stress and what the Bible says is the antidote, the answer to the most common stresses that we all experience. So if you're tired, worn down, stressed out, as many of us are, we're going to look at the most famous psalm in the Bible, Psalm 23, and see what it has to say about dressing the stress that we experience on a daily and often ongoing basis. But before we do that, let me address and identify seven of the, of the most common stresses that we regularly experience these days. And the first most common stress is worry. The reason why we worry and why it's the number one is, is that we have more things to worry about. 20 years ago, you didn't have to worry about cell phones or privacy being invaded. But now we're wondering what exactly is happening in our world. There's so many things to worry about that we didn't have to worry about years ago. A second source of stress is hurry. Now, hurry is from an increasing pace in our lives. Would you say that our world is going faster and faster? Certainly feels like that to me. We live in a world where everyone wants everything immediately, and that creates stress. A third thing that causes stress is crowds. As the world gets more crowded, people are feeling more stressed, and that's because of urbanization. Years ago, most people used to live in towns or villages or smaller cities, but today, 80% of Canadians live in an urban setting, and urban settings cause stress. A fourth stress is multiple choices. We have more choices than we've ever had. Actually, the more choices you have in life, you would think you'll be more free, more liberating, because you have more options. But it actually is the opposite, and it paralyzes us. There was a time where we went to the store, we would have a limited number of choices for groceries or other things, but that has changed radically. Now you have so many choices, it can be paralyzing because you're not sure which one to choose. What is the best product for you? Wow, isn't it already feeling stressful talking about these things that we all experience? And then there's the loss of privacy. Actually, any loss is stressful, but in this modern world of ours, we have this loss of privacy, whether it is to the government or corporations who are wanting to get our information so they can find out who we are and what we buy and where we live and so on. And this adds a further stress to our lives. And then there is the stress of pluralism. Pluralism is what happens when you live in a world that is so multi-everything. Different beliefs, different convictions, different lifestyles, different everything that we experience in the society in which we live. Now, 100 years ago, Canada was relatively homogeneous, 
And most people had similar uh, beliefs that they shared together, but that's simply not true anymore. What does it mean? It means that there's going to be more conflict from being around people different to us. And that's not necessarily bad, but it does open the door to misunderstanding and to conflict. And then there's also the fear of the future. As with the COVID pandemic, which is still very much with us, there's a tremendous fear of the future. Is COVID going to get worse? Is it going to fade away? What is going to happen? The what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? There is no end to the what ifs. That is the fear of the future. Worry, hurry, crowds, multiple choices, loss of privacy, pluralism, fear of the future, and even more than that. Are you feeling stressed? I agree. Now, in response to these stresses, we're going to look at discovered antidotes, answers that are found in Psalm 23. So what I invite you to read with me Psalm 23 together and be reminded of what God says with regards to this. So let's say it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that comforting, encouraging? Yes, this is the most loved psalm in the Bible. And it's not by accident because it has been bringing comfort to followers of God for thousands of years. And when we dig into this particular text, this particular psalm, we understand that each of these metaphors is telling us as a disciple, a follower of Jesus, how we can lower our stress by trusting in God. How many of you would like to be healthier or live longer? Well, a few of you anyways. Yeah, more, more and more. Sometimes I wonder the older we get, how long do we want to live? But that's another story. Proverbs 14, verse 30 says, A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. It's not always what you eat, but what eats you that makes you unhealthy. So we've got to figure out how to lower the stress and how to raise peaceful hearts. In Psalm 23, we're going to examine it line by line. And I want us to see that there are seven spiritual habits for reducing stress. And they actually parallel the seven sources of stress that I've just spoken about. I said that the first cause of stress in your life, my life too, is worry. You worry about what you think. What will I need and will I have it when I need it? Anytime you expect yourself or anyone else to meet all your needs instead of God, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be disappointed. Because neither you nor anyone else is able to measure up to what is expected. Because none of us can meet all our needs or anybody else's needs for that matter. Only God can meet all our needs. So the first antidote, the first answer to stress, and this is important, is that we must look to God 
for all our needs. That's the first thing King David, the author of Psalm 23, says we need to do, which is to look to God to meet all our needs. And that calms us down. That way we're going to not be disappointed because we're going to trust in God. The single most important change that you must make in your life is that you must stop looking to yourself and other people to meet all your needs. Yes, you have an important part to play in meeting your needs, and others do too. But ultimately, if you would stop looking to your husband, to your wife, to others to meet all your needs, I believe that your stress would go down significantly. Stop putting your security in things and in people you can lose and who you cannot control. That's easier said than done, but it is so needed. Sometimes people put security in their jobs, and they lose their jobs and lose their peace of mind. No doubt that has happened to some of us here at Calvary. Others have put their security in their marriage, and then the spouse dies, or they have the tragedy of divorce. Then the question is, who am I? What is my identity? Or you put your security in money. There are lots of ways to lose money, as many of us here have experienced. You should never put your security in anything that can be taken away from you. You should always put your security, find your security, in something that can never be taken from you. You can lose your job. You can lose your health. You can lose your reputation. You can lose your spouse. You can lose your mind. And a number of us have experienced one or more of these. But as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus, you cannot lose your relationship with him. So put your security in that. Look to God to ultimately meet all your needs. Psalm 23, verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I have all that I need because he is my shepherd. I stop expecting other people to meet all my needs, all the needs that only God can meet. The Bible says in Romans 8, verse 32, Since God did not spare even his own son for us and gave him up for us, won't he also surely give us everything else we need? The logic there is obvious. If God loved you enough to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, don't you think he loves you enough to care for you and to meet your needs in your life? Yes, of course he does. So stop looking to other people to meet your needs because they're going to let you down. There's no one who can possibly meet all your emotional, all your physical, all your mental or spiritual needs. So King David says, I'm not going to look to other people to meet my needs. I'm going to look to God. The Lord is my shepherd, so I have all that I need. And what is he saying here? He is saying that the first step to stress reduction is worship. I refocus on God. I stop focusing on other people, expecting them to meet my needs. Isaiah 30 verse 15 says this, The sovereign Lord says, only in returning to me and waiting on me, Will you be saved in quietness and confidence is your strength. Notice he does not say in anxiety and fear, not in hard work and planning, not in self-motivation, not in positive attitude. He says in quietness and confidence is your strength. The Lord is my shepherd. In fact, if you want to make this affirmation in your life, I think it could be very helpful. Every time you feel stressed out, you need to pause. And say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. So when you get stressed out and you begin to think of, how is my need going to be met? 
The Lord is my shepherd. He is going to provide. He is going to take care of me. God is going to meet my needs. And many of you can testify that God has indeed met your need in times of need. I certainly can. Once you've done that, that's the bedrock of addressing stress. Then you can go to the second step. I need to obey God's instruction about rest. So much of the stress in our life comes from always being in a hurry, always working too much, always feeling like you've got to do more. And that's why you overwork, never being able to get caught up. How many of you feel I can never, ever get caught up? You know, a number of us. True confession. Right now, I have thousands of unread emails in my inbox, and there's no way I'm ever going to get caught up. Think about this. If God wanted to, he could have created us without the need for sleep. Why did he create you and me with a need for sleep? Because we spend one-third of our life asleep. If God's only going to give you 60, 80, maybe 100 years here on earth, why wouldn't he give you 100% of the time? Why would only one-third of your life seemingly be wasted away? It's because God wants you to learn the importance of rest. Rest is so important. God rests. God modeled it. The Bible says that when God created the universe, and after he was finished on the seventh day, God rested. Now, why did God rest? Was he tired? God doesn't ever get tired. Rather, he modeled the importance of rest in your life. He says every seventh day you should rest. And the Bible is filled with instructions about rest and recreation and relaxation. It's so important, God put it in the Big Ten, that is the Ten Commandments. Right up there with do not commit adultery and don't murder and don't lie. He says every seventh day you should take that day off. That's how important Sabbath is in your life. Jesus later said the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. In other words, God created us because he has this idea that we need and he wants us to know how important it is for us to rest, to recreate, to worship, and to be restored. It's so that you don't burn out. Many people in our modern society aren't doing that. They're working endless hours. A lot of people, even after they go to the church service, may afterwards be busy working again. But God wants us to take a Sabbath, a day where we, ta we take time to rest, to relax, to recover, to be renewed. Psalm 23, verse 2 says, He lets me rest in green meadows. Does God ever have to make you lie down because you wouldn't obey what he says about rest and taking a day off? Now, sheep aren't often smart enough to rest when they get tired, so the shepherd has to actually lay them down. And if you're not smart enough to rest and take the, the time you need, your body will in some way show you. I remember a friend of mine a number of years ago, they worked and they worked and they worked, and then they went on vacation. And you know what happened when they went on vacation? They were so sick because their body said it's time to shut down and to recover. Does anybody have a testimony like that? I do. A number of years ago, I almost burned out twice as a pastor. I was supposedly trying to be like God, and I wasn't able to do it. Thankfully, I learned my lesson, and I don't think that will be a problem again. But I wasn't keeping a healthy life balance, and it almost took me out, because you can't keep on working, because at some point, your body will slow you down. And so getting enough sleep is essential to managing your stress Remember that your best requires rest. 
You're not wasting time when you're relaxing and resting. That's why God gave us the Sabbath. In Exodus 34, verse 21, it says, Six days are set aside for work, but every seventh day you must rest completely. What am I supposed to do on my Sabbath? Well, there's three things, three things that you can do on your Sabbath that will be of benefit to you. First, rest your body. Physically rest. The biblical basis is for a good Sunday nap. Secondly, refocus my spirit. I rest on the Sabbath and I refocus my spirit. What is that? That's worship. It's what you are doing right now. You're refocusing your spirit right now by coming here to worship. As we meet together in corporate worship, we recharge and we refresh our spirit. And thirdly, recharge your emotions. Use the Sabbath to recharge your emotions. That's what recreation does. It recharges your emotions. Now, different things recharge different people. You need to do something that restores you and that re-energizes you. It could be a hobby. It could be a sport. These are good things that God has given us as a gift in order to recharge our emotions. Now, it doesn't really matter what day is your Sabbath because the book of Colossians says that it doesn't matter which day you choose. You just need to choose a day. For me, my Sabbath is not Sunday. It is a day of work. My Sabbath is Wednesday. And on Wednesdays, I rest and I refocus and I recharge. But the truth is, I probably could be doing it better. You may be saying, but I feel guilty when I rest, when I relax. But Jesus didn't. If you study the Bible, you will see that Jesus had times of intense ministry. And then he with his disciples took time away. It is said that if you don't take time to come apart, you will eventually come apart. And so Jesus is that example for us of, yes, being busy for a time and then taking time to rest, to relax, to recreate and be renewed. The third thing we need to do is recharge our soul with beauty. Yes, recharge my soul with beauty. Beauty is probably more important than we realize because I believe that beauty helps us to manage our stress. I don't know about you, but ugliness stresses me out. What about you? Well, I think so too. It stresses me out, but beauty inspires me. It encourages, it motivates, it stirs up positive emotions. Have you ever thought why God created the sunrise and the sunset the way he did? When you look at that, don't you say, beautiful? God has made our world beautiful. We were made to live in a garden, and as much as I like and appreciate Edmonton, there's nothing like taking a drive out into the country, enjoying the fresh air and the green grass and the various animals and birds and others. Those are things we don't easily find in the quietness here in our city. Now notice the next verse in Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. I think it's no wonder that Psalm 23 is a most loved song because we can visualize this. When I say, think about lush green meadows and a quiet stream, I believe we start to relax just thinking about it. And if I say, think about going to downtown Edmonton, well, I feel a little bit stressed. I don't know about you. We need beautiful scenes and we need to hear beautiful sounds in order to keep stress down in our lives. You need to add beauty into your life. 
And let me give you some suggestions. First, get outside every day. If you're not getting out, your stress level is going to go up. Even if it's just your backyard, or maybe it's taking a walk around the block, or whatever it might be, but get out into God's creation. He has made it for you to enjoy the beauty of his creation. Secondly, start your day with God, not with media. Before you open any text messages or read any emails or turn on the radio or the TV, you need to get in touch with God first. The first few minutes of your day, set your mood for that day. Do you want to start with an alarm and with the worst news you can possibly hear of the day? No, you don't need that when you get up. Rather, you should turn on some praise music, some worship music. Get in touch with God and allow him in the first few minutes of your day. That, I believe, will dramatically reduce your stress and improve your mood. And then intentionally put beauty before you. Pieces of art or music that inspires you. My wife, Mandy, is our interior decorator, and she does a wonderful job of coordinating colors along with various household furnishings and various items. And I love to spend time in our living room because it is so enriching to be in a, in a beautiful environment. Philippians 4 verse 8 says this, Fill your minds with beauty and truth. Meditate on whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, whatever is virtuous and praiseworthy. Lovely words to consider. Because of sin, there's a lot of ugliness in our world. There are a lot of unpleasant things going on. And whatever you give your attention to will either raise your stress or lower your stress. If you use your time rather, instead of spending listening to the news or watching the news or reading the news, instead, spend your time listening to God, reading his word, listening to praise and worship songs. Then your stress will be dramatically lowered. It's your choice. Yet I encourage you to recharge your soul with beauty. He lets us rest in green meadows. He leads us beside peaceful streams. Now, let's... Next, go to God for guidance. This is important because this is the most important place of stress in so many of our lives, this area of needing to make decisions. You can't make up your mind. Perhaps you're even right now wondering what decision to make about a particular thing. You're at a fork in the road, and you have multiple options, and you just don't know what to do. You can't decide to go in, to get out, or whatever. You have so many choices. I recommend that you make God your number one source for guidance because he will always tell you the truth. So what do I do? I say, God, I need wisdom. James 1 verse 5 says, If you need wisdom, and we all do, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. God is waiting and wanting to give you wisdom. You just have to ask. So say, God... I need wisdom. I pray and ask. Then I read the Bible. Then I wait and I think. I be quiet. I listen and then I sense. At the right time, maybe not immediately, but at the right time, God will put that idea into your mind and you'll go, wow, that's inspiration. That's what I need to do. I've been surprised how often this has been true in my life. Actually, it's been quite exciting to think that the creator of the universe would want me 
to know his will on whatever the matter may be. And he wants that for each of us as well. He wants to impart to us the wisdom that he has to navigate our lives and to reduce our stress. So it's important for us to know that God will guide us at the right time, not the wrong time. And his time is, is perfect. He's never early. He's never late. So God is going to give you the right direction at the right time if you'll trust him. And he'll do it in the right time, which I may often add, it's not in our time. Psalm 23 verse 3 says, He guides me in the right path for his name's sake. And that's an affirmation. God, I believe you are going to guide me at the right time in the right way. I believe you're going to do that. Next, I trust God in the dark valleys. We're going through this dark valley in our lives, and all of us either have or will go through valleys, numerous valleys, dark valleys. And this is a very common stress in our lives. You can lose your job, your income, your money, your health, your reputation. You can lose a loved one. And when you go through a loss, there are two reactions. One is fear, and the other is grief. Grief is good. Fear is bad. Grief is the way that we get through the transitions of life. The Bible says that God grieves. It's a godly emotion. In fact, if you don't grieve, you're stuck. Some of you here have had a major loss in your life, and you haven't been able to get past it because you have shoved it down. You've stuffed it instead of grieving. And when you stuff it, you get stuck at that stage emotionally. You've never gone further because you haven't gone through your grief. You're stuck. Stop pushing the pain down. Just grieve and let it out. Grief will not kill you if you let it out. It's good for you. It's how you go through the transitions of life. On the other hand, fear is a bad thing. Not once in the Bible does it say, grieve not, sorrow not, weep not, cry not. What it does say is fear not. And it says it 365 times, which means there's one for every day of the year. Because grief doesn't paralyze, but fear does. In Psalm 23, verse 4, King David says this, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. He's using the shepherd as a metaphor, shepherd and sheep. The shepherds always carried the rod and the staff. These were two tools used to protect the sheep from the wolves. He is saying, I'm not going to stress out about this because God is my protector. I'm going to trust God in the dark valleys, even though I walk through the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow. Some of you are going through a dark valley right now, maybe the valley of the shadow of death or of debt or of conflict or depression, or discouragement, or whatever. But you're going through the valley of the shadow. And shadows are scary. Remember when you used to be afraid of the shadows when you were lying in bed as a little child? Some of the things that I've learned about shadows are this. Shadows can't hurt you. A truck can run over you, but if a truck's shadow runs over you, nothing happens at all. Shadows are always bigger than their source. Isn't that true? It's your fear of that that is greater than the actual event. Shadows are always bigger than the source, and it makes them look bigger than they really are. 
But here's the good news. Wherever there's a shadow, there's also a light. You can't have a shadow without a light. So the key to not be afraid when you're going through the valley of shadow is to turn your back to the shadow and turn to the light. Because as long as I keep my eyes on the light, the shadow doesn't scare me. And Jesus is the light of the world. That's how you get through the valley of the shadow of death. That's how you lower your stress. I trust in God in, those in the valleys. Now, maybe you're going through that right now, and you need to pray perhaps like David did in Psalm 142, verse 3. When I'm ready to give up, he knows what I should do. When I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. When I'm ready to give up, he knows what I should do. I want you to remember this. I don't have to know all the answers when I know God. I don't have to know all the answers about what I'm going through if I know that God knows because he cares for me. And I'm going to turn my back on the shadows and I'm going to turn to the light and I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow. I'm going to trust God in that dark valley. That will help reduce your stress. The next verse in Psalm 23, David says, I'm going to let God be my defender. Another common source of stress is conflict, opposition, criticism, attacks. There are people in your life who simply don't like you. There are people who have it out for you. They criticize you, maybe out of jealousy or fear. Maybe there's people even in your own family who will not let you enjoy anything. They're always putting you down. They never have a positive word. If you have any success, ah, they poo-poo it. They minimize it. When that happens, our natural response, we all would have experienced this, is to attack back, to criticize back, to retaliate, to get even. But when you get even with somebody who's criticizing you, it puts you on the same level as them. If you forgive them, it puts you above them. But if you get even, then you are no better than them. We have people all around us who totally disagree with us, People who don't agree with you and don't like you. Maybe they don't even like Jesus. As a result, they criticize you and they'll put you down. And in our Canadian society, we are losing our civility. I think we could unfortunately agree with that, that our world is getting more rude. And one of the things that is causing that is the Internet, because the Internet allows you to hide behind a screen and spout all kinds of vile things against other people. Things people would never say to you face to face, they'll spout out and they'll minimize you, they'll belittle you, they'll be rude to you and they'll criticize you. All they're doing is revealing the smallness of their heart. Little people be little people. Great people make other people feel great. How do you handle rude people? How do you handle mean people? You don't. You let God handle them. You let God be your defender. And David did this so well. Because David knew what it meant to be not only emotionally and verbally attacked, but also to be literally physically attacked. In the story of King David, David as a young man was anointed by Samuel, the prophet of God, to be the next king of Israel. Now he knew he was the rightful king, but for over 10 years, the first king wanted to kill him. And so David found himself hiding in caves, being maligned and being demeaned and being hunted down. And rumors were told about him, and he was continually criticized. Yet he never said one bad word against King Saul. He would never attack back. He never retaliated. He only said good. God was preparing David to be a king after his own heart. 
And David says this in Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. What's David saying here? It's a metaphor. He's saying, God is so good to me. God, you're so good to me in spite of my attackers, in spite of my critics. You just keep blessing me and blessing me and blessing me. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to let you be my defender. In Psalm 18, verses 1 and 2, it says, How I love you, Lord. You are my defender. The Lord is my protector. He is my strong fortress. My God is my protection. And with him I am safe. He protects me like a shield. He defends me and keeps me safe. Does, does, David, does David sound stressed out there? No. He says, I'm not worried. God's in control. God's my defender. I don't have to defend myself because God will care for me. And it takes a lot of faith to trust God when you're under attack. It takes a lot of faith when you're being maligned and misunderstood and misjudged and rumors are being spread about you and people are saying things about you online. When that happens, everything in us rises up. I've got to do something. I've got to correct this. I've got to tell the truth. When you're under attack, it takes tremendous faith that God gives us. But in doing that, it also grows in us a humility, a humility not to retaliate, but to trust God. You are most like Jesus when you remain silent under attack. He was constantly attacked. And who was he attacked by? By the religious people. They didn't like Jesus, but the common, ordinary people, they loved Jesus. Jesus never, ever retaliated. He never got them back. He remained silent because he entrusted himself into the care of his father. You are most like Jesus when you remain silent in criticism, when people criticize you unjustly and say all kinds of mean things about you. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, people persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. And by doing this, we become more like Jesus, which means you experience more of God's love and power and grace in your lives. More blessing. You're blessed, not stressed. The Apostle Paul had a good way to say this, and, or the Apostle Peter had a good way to say this in 1 Peter 4 verse 19. So if you are suffering according to God's will, keep on doing what is right. By the way, did you notice that some suffering is God's will? Some people say suffering is never God's will. But the Bible says differently that some suffering is God's will. And we trust ourselves to God who made us, for he will take care of us. And now there's one more common source of stress, and that is fearing the future. The seventh thing that David says in this beautiful psalm is, I expect God to finish what he starts in me. Are you a person who is afraid of the future? Are you a what-ifer? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if? What if? What if? If you're a whatever, it leads to enormous amount of stress in your life. Unnecessary stress. Because here's what David says in Psalm 23, verses 6 and 7. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. 
I'm going to heaven anyway. Isn't that what you expect? You tend to look at the future in one of two ways. You say, what if everything goes wrong? What if I don't have enough money? What about if I lose my job? What about if somebody walks out on me? What if? What if? What if? You can do that. And you can look at your future and say, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Those are your options. You can either see things from God's viewpoint or you can see it from a fearful anxiety. How do you lower your stress? You say, I'm going to expect and trust God to finish what he has started. And even if everything goes wrong, I'm still assured of a place in heaven with him. There I will dwell with him forever. As we come to the conclusion of today's sermon, the words of Jesus in the First Nations version of the New Testament says this, and these are, are beautiful words, words that are so rich. Come close to my side, you whose hearts are on the ground. You who are pushed down and worn out, and I will refresh you. Follow my teachings and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your troubled thoughts. Walk side by side with me, and I will share in your heavy load and make it light. If you're stressed today, take to heart the words of Jesus, and no matter what your situation, he is here for you. You can trust him. If you wish, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. God, you have spoken to me today, and I know you want me to rest in you, to experience your rest in the midst of my stress. I ask for your peace to rest upon me, that I may experience the rest you want for me as your follower, your disciple. Amen. And perhaps today you've recognized that you too are stressed, and a significant reason for your stress is you are not yet a follower, a disciple of Jesus, and you want to be. In that case, I would invite you to pray this prayer together with me. God, you have spoken to me today, and I know you want me to be a follower of yours, to become your disciple. Today, I make that decision and ask you to help me to be committed to you, becoming like Jesus in every area of my life, and in doing so, experiencing your peace in the midst of my stress. Amen. If you prayed either prayer today, I would encourage you to text LIFE at 587-323-1199. If you have any questions, comments, anything about the sermon or anything else, we would love to dialogue with you. And after the service today, there will be people here who can pray with you as well, whatever the stress that you are presently experiencing and wanting to experience the peace of God as you trust in him. I would ask you to stand with me now and we'll close our time together in prayer. We thank you, O Lord, for the gift of your word, the gift of yourself. How in Psalm 23, you speak to us in the midst of our stress and you tell us that we can trust in you. We thank you for what you have spoken to us today. 
And I pray, pray that each and every one of us, each of us who are experiencing various stresses, that we will choose to ask you to do in us what we can't do and to do those things you would have us to do so that we can experience the peace of Jesus Christ that you've told us you offer to us. We say thank you for the time you've given us today to gather in worship and in fellowship, the time to spend together with each other, most importantly with you. And we pray that what we have received from you, we will take and apply it to our lives, that we may experience your peace in the midst of our stresses. And we thank you that we can pray this in the one who has taken our stresses on our behalf, who has given his life for us. We say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you need anything, don't hesitate to contact us. You can find more information on our website or on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. We'll see you again soon.